Does love really exist in this hedonistic world of ours? Or is it only our selfish needs, our own desires that fuel the potion? Does she love me? Love me not? Or does it really matter? What hellish alchemy, if it does. I am Rachel. And I'm Matt. And this is... Come in, 81 Kilo. A Forever Night podcast. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. I did it in reverse. We're learning eventually. We all learn eventually. That way we don't forget. Change is the only way to get better. Yeah, it's true. Evolution is the only constant. It's time for another episode, a Forever Night episode. Forever Night Season 2, Episode 23, Be My Valentine. Or Valentine's Day. Finally, I have been waiting for this episode. I can't even tell you how long. Do you know how much I wanted to talk about the fact that LaCroix had a love interest? And yeah, this is a very LaCroix centric episode. Yeah, I've been waiting for this episode for a really long time. However, we tried to watch this episode on the Roku channel. We did watch this episode on the Roku channel. And you know what makes me sad? Okay, first it was on it was on Amazon and they had all three seasons. But season three was like, out of luck, son, you can't watch this. And then it had incorrect episode titles, like We Will Replay, which it turns out on Apple TV, it also says, I will replay. Cheer Jesus. It is I will repay. Someone please go fix that. (laughs) Um, And then it moved to the Roku channel. And not only does it not even show that there's a third season, but season two, the episode numbers are all different. And so they're like randomized, basically. Uh, Yeah, I think they joined the season number and the episode number together. For some of them. For some of them, not yeah, all of them. For not all of them. And you know why this bothers me? I know it feels nitpicky, but it's because it's the hallmark of an unattended property. This is a property that has no ownership. Nobody's yeah, taking ownership a, over that. It's in a digital scrapyard. Yeah. It gets shuffled around. Every time it moves, whatever errors got put in it from the previous streaming service, just shuffle with it. And new errors get added. Yeah. New errors get added and nobody's going in there and cleaning it up. And that's what makes me sad. That's why I harp on it, because that's the hallmark of an unattended property. If anyone would like to turn over the rights to all three seasons to come in 81 Kilo, that's an available option. I will definitely take care of this property for you. I'm here for you. You just let me know. (laughs) But anyway, we finally watched Be My Valentine. And I mentioned this because on the Roku channel, it's just Valentine's Day, which is the incorrect name of the episode. Ugh. Casuals. 
amateurs. Amateurs. But yeah, this is our LaCroix character development episode. Ding, ding, ding. Finally. And our plot device to keep Natalie and Nick apart. This was, you know how I said that the interpersonal relationships, the, the character interactions are the magic of this show? This is an excellent example of how they can be so magical when everything lines up correctly. Especially the mouth stuff. God. We are going to get there, and I know you're ready because you ambushed me and tried to do the patented Nick extract your soul through your lips that's on full display at the end. From your cheek. And I screamed and ran, and so I know you're very excited to talk about it but we're not there yet we have to go through the episode like we do we have a public they have expectations we have a process so we start with a crime it's interesting how we've shuffled up the cold open several times this season and now we've settled back into we just open with the crime and it's the woman arriving at home her name is like terry i think we see her name on the on the thing, on the envelope, but we don't ever actually like learn her name. And she checks her mail and she finds a Valentine card and she opens it and it has part of a poem. But, but my favorite part about this scene is she's clearly like a wealthy, posh Torontoite. And she sits in this chair, which is supposed to be like the poshest chair and it's pastel floral. <laughs> It's the most grandmother floral chair. She's like, oh, this is my posh chair. I don't know why that bothered me. I was like, look at her chair. It's so dated. Oh, never. It's all right. I, I probably would buy this from a thrift store, so it's totally cool. And she reads her card, part of her poem, and then she Aww. looks up, and the last line of the poem is spray-painted on her wall. <laughs> no. What was happening in the 90s that these women are not immediately freaked out by shit that any normal woman should be immediately freaked out by? Mystery man appears in your apartment and tells you he's there to save you. Absolutely. Thank you. I'm glad you're here, mystery sir. Man appears on your balcony when you live multiple stories up in the air. Huh, no problem. That's perfectly fine. If I got a card... I walked into my living room, I looked up, and there was anything spray-painted on my wall. I am not going to read it. You're going to be pissed. I'm just going to fucking bolt. I am out. I'm not like, oh, does that rhyme with, and you will be mine. She goes, and you will be mine. And then she just stands there for a minute like, huh. And then she's like, oh, no. <laughs> what? Yeah, the... Yeah. What? What? And then, of course, he's right there, and he's like, "There's stuff in my house, and there's vandalism in my house." Yeah. Who's to say the vandal is not gone? Correct. Ye Yeet. Get out of there. Yeet the fuck out! Don't stop and make sure it fits the last. Oh, did my beloved fiance creep into my house and write a and write a very nice romantic thing in red spray paint on my wall? <laughs> <laughs> in sloppy handwriting. And we really bury the lead that they're, oh, they don't even look into whether or not she has a fiance. They're just like, 
oh, she must have been romantically desperate, and that's why she was so taken in by this card. Yeah. What? What? First of all, that's assuming that every woman is just pining for her mate. And isn't she? I know that was rhetorical, <laughs> so I'm not really gonna address it. But no, there are lots of people who are not out there like, oh, I'm so desperate for a yeah, man. There, there are better things to do. I mean, you can be desperate for physical connection. You can want emotional connection. That's fine. Is that their? Should that have been their go-to? No, they're like, oh, this woman's obviously single because she was so excited that a man even paid attention to her. She probably saw that writing on the wall and was like, oh, somebody took the time to break into my house and give me a gift. That was so sweet. (laughs) That's the sweetest thing anyone's done for me in years. Oh, my God. But after she gets choked, we we cut to the intro. Boop, through the intro, we come back. And we get our first hint that everything's not okay with the claw. <laughs> Guys, the claw is not okay. A hint? Has, a hint? <laughs> has anybody checked in with the claw lately? Because. Love. A blip on the monitor of involuntary human response. A hiccup of emotion when compared with envy, hatred, lust. And just who was this? Saint Valentine, the bishop, Roman third century, got his head sliced off, ouch, for marrying lovers against his emperor's decree. You see, Claudius II believed that men made better warriors unmarried. Power comes with the absence of love. Love drains us of our strength. never learn do we he's not okay he is not okay because he goes on this rant about love and he's like what is love he's like it's a blip on the monitor of involuntary human response (laughs) a hiccup of emotion when compared to stronger emotions like hate (laughs) (laughs) and hunger (laughs) and lust (laughs) and then we get like a mini flashback and we know it's Lacroix remembering something. Is and this he's, where he's talking about like Saint Valentine and Yeah. He yeah. goes, What is Saint Valentine? He's just a you know, a third century Roman guy who was marrying people against his governor's decree and he got beheaded because they believed that men fought better when they weren't married because love makes us poor warriors. And he's like, Was he wrong? <laughs> this whole premise is flawed yeah he gets a mini flashback and we see a woman looking up assumably at lacroix going lucien please take me and then he like comes back and he's like love (laughs) (laughs) and uh uh, okay that, that happened and then we go to nat and Natalie and Nick are hanging out because we go from there to like he dials up the whatever on his little switchboard his little soundboard and then we cut to a picture of the radio and Natalie's like is LaCroix okay? (laughs) She's like is he talking about love? Why do you even bother listening to him? I know and Nick is like meh and she's like well why do you listen to him and he goes because he's so down he brings me up (laughs) <laughs> oh, she says, I don't know why someone hasn't snatched that up yet. 
And he's like, oh, I take it. He's not your type. Poor LaCroix. He's in pain, you guys. And he's you're... suffering, and you're laughing at his you suffering. You are laughing. Well, you know what? It's fine, because he'd laugh at their suffering. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, no hesitation. She says, what insanity compels you to tune him in? And he's like, I don't know. Maybe he's so down, he brings me up. But apparently she's there doing science because we haven't mm. done any science in a really long time. He hasn't drunk any shakes. He hasn't had to take garlic pills. She hasn't been pushing him out into the sunlight to see if that helped. Uh, maybe they took a hiatus after he ran off with medication and went on like a rampage <laughs> <laughs> and then had a fang erectile dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. But she's testing his cells. I don't know. She scrapes. She scrapes some, quote, underexposed cells, which involves him actually unbuttoning his shirt, which must have physically pained him because it's usually buttoned all the way up. And then she's like, well, it's not having any negative side effects. So maybe we should go ahead and double your dose. And he's like, About yeah, that. there might be a reason why I'm not having any side effects because I kind of have not been taking it. And she's like, ugh. Does, I figured, does he take these pills with water or blood? He must take them with blood or he just dry swallows them. He just raw, <laughs> he just, he just raw dogs the multivitamin. He's, he's like, here's a quick, okay, so most of the time when I have to take a pill, yeah. I just get some saliva going. Yeah, well, you have an do excessive amount of saliva. Do vampires salivate? Um, I mean. And if they do, why is it clear and not blood? I don't know because he sweats blood. Yeah. So that is not a clear. Okay, this is a rabbit hole because my mind immediately went to other bodily secretions. Are those clear? That would be weird. I mean, they can't have children. There's actually no point for him to ejaculate. Do, but Does he actually have to pee like in Demon Under Glass? I don't know. How does he rid himself of the excess fluid or does that just sort of evaporate out through when he breathes? Like when you uh, burn fat and you exhale? Yeah. Yeah, when your body processes fat, it just gets turned into yeah, carbon dioxide you know what? I don't, byproducts this and you isn't, breathe it out This isn't lungs. a thing that we can that we can solve. Okay? I mean it would it would help him if he had to pee. It would help him <laughs> okay. blend in because he'd have to take bathroom breaks periodically. Yeah. Can you imagine standing in a urinal next to a guy? <laughs> <laughs> He pees no, no, he, pure blood, and they're like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I got a prostate thing. So it's like, <laughs> don't worry about it. I, I got a UTI. It's I eat a no lot of beets. <laughs> so many fucking beets. He, he doesn't use the urinal. He sits down oh, okay. in the stall. Yeah, which I didn't know beets can change your waist color. Do they do you? I haven't paid attention. Okay, apparently beets contain this thing called bituria. Which is like yeah. a colorant. And for some people, you can break it down mm-hmm. and you don't notice it. But other people can't break it down. So it passes through unchanged. And so it literally can color your waste. Either one. Interesting. I don't know. The kids listen to a podcast about poop. So here we are. So anyway, somehow she can tell that he's not been taking them because she went ahead and got him an engraved sterling silver pillbox because she hands him a price. She could have just handed him the pillbox and been like, here you go. Which she could have just gotten one off Amazon, just like a plastic pillbox. But she's yeah. like, here's a sterling silver pillbox that I had engraved, but this is not a Valentine's Totally thing. platonic. This is totally platonic. And it says, um, don't forget your vitamins. Love, Nat. On the inside cover. 
And it occurred to me, he has an engraved watch from her already that says to the man who has all the time in the world. Yeah. And then she just gave him this. I wonder if every time she goes into the jewelry shop, the guy's like, haven't got him yet, have you? And she's like, <laughs> shut up. I just need another engraved thing. And he's like, what's it going to be this time? She's like, a pillbox. And she <laughs> Does she just keep the order form at home? And she's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's already another one. partially filled out. Yeah, he's got engraved everything. He's got engraved glasses. Every six months, she gets him a new engraved, a new engraved thing. Yeah, he's got an engraved pocket watch, too. From He's got a lot of engraved shit. He really should just, like, unpack. He should line it all up and be like, okay, LaCroix gave me this pocket watch that says, like, forever or something on the inside. Remember, because he gives it away in, I think, Father's Day. Mm-hmm. And that's when LaCroix shows up and LaCroix has, like, the jaunty noir hat and he's like yeah you either have this watch because you killed him or because he gave it to you <laughs> <laughs> and then he also has that pocket that like wrist watch because that's how he gets framed in killer instinct yeah and now he has a pillbox with love natalie and natalie's like but it's not like a it's not like a thing it's it's not like a thing and nick is like oh okay because we just had this conversation about how um valentine's day kind of makes fools of us all not only did LaCroix talk about it um, kind of disturbingly, but also Natalie was like, yeah, it's got everybody in a tizzy. I even heard Cohen whispering sweet nothings in the phone. And Nick's like, aw, she should. Yeah. That's so sweet. Why shouldn't she? And Natalie's like, yeah. Why shouldn't she have someone to love, Nick? Well, you know, it is almost Valentine's Day. All this talk of love makes people do very strange things. I actually saw your captain whispering sweet nothings into the phone today. Cohen? Hmm. Of course, why shouldn't she? Why, indeed. Totally platonic. Totally platonically a, mad at you about co-worker. this. <laughs> um, but she tells him uh, anything to make you feel more human. This is not a gift. It's just to make you feel more human. And he's like, I do sometimes, certain times, around certain people. Wink, wink. And Natalie's like, me? She gives him this really hopeful look like, are you talking about me? Are we talking about me? And then both their phone and pager goes off. And she's like. Yeah, they're kind of giving each other significant looks. Yeah, like, mm hmm And then all of a sudden, beep, 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 beep. And she says, there's only one thing that makes both of us this popular. And then we go to the murder scene from the opening, which you'd think would be a killjoy, but Nick is immediately ready to talk about stuff again. Yeah. Oh, that's at the next one. When After they just made out. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. So I think if this is Only the Lonely, take two. Because in Only the Lonely, Nick fucked it up. Yeah. And this time he doesn't have competition. Yeah. This time he doesn't have competition because Natalie's wise. She... We know that because she just had like a trauma flash flashback a couple of episodes ago where she was like, that's how men get you. They make you they make you trust them. And then as soon as you let your guard down, they violate you. <laughs> OK, Natalie. And so now we're, we're trying that again, because this is a high powered career woman who was immediately wooed by poetry and just a brief moment of attention. And then she gets killed. Strangled. Yeah. And Natalie's like, do you remember those hearts you got in school that had little phrases on them? Like, I love you and whatever. And Nick is like, no. No, actually, I don't. Uh-uh. I don't oh, have oh, yeah. Memory yeah of those. You wouldn't. Uh, and she's like, oops. oh, right. Well, just trust me. This is nothing like that. 
<laughs> oh, okay. No. <laughs> I love her popped collar, though, because she's got a little vest, pants. Yeah, suit Natalie gets a yeah. vest to this episode. She's a little fancy, and she's got like a really over, kind of an oversized white collar, but not ridiculously oversized, and then it's popped. It's a nice, it's a nice outfit. And Nick is like, Nick, Nick, who clearly understands that Natalie likes him because he just kind of poked her to see if he could get a response, and he got the one he was thinking he was going to get. And so kind of... In a skanky-esque moment of not being able to read the room, he's like, you'd think it'd take more than this to sweep a woman like her off her feet. And Natalie's like, well, I'm going to have to disagree with you there. Like, I get it. I get it. I get it. A simple gesture can be very powerful and very seductive. And, you know, he was just banking on her vulnerability and he found it. You think it would take more than that to sweep a woman like her off her feet? Can't say I don't identify. She looks like she had a demanding career, probably consumed with her work, not much time for affairs of the heart. Sometimes it's the little things that sweep us off our feet. And Nick is like, oh, yeah, I mean, I guess, yes. I don't know. What are we, what are we talking about again? <laughs> because then um, we get a flashback about a moment of vulnerability mm. when he and Jeanette and Lacroix are like running in out of the sun. Now, is this Nick's flashback or is this LaCroix's flashback? Uh, they kind of both contribute. So they're both thinking about this moment in time. Clearly LaCroix is super haunted by it. And Nick is like, oh, didn't I have a sister? I think I had a sister. Hang on. Yeah, it, it was getting... hundreds of years ago or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I think I had a sister. Yeah. And so then there was that thing that LaCroix like, liked her or something. I don't I think maybe it means more than that to him, clearly. But it feels more haunting to LaCroix than it does to Nick. And we get them darting in out of the sun. And we know this because Jeanette's like, hurry, everyone, out of the sun. Like, thank you, Jeanette. Thank you. That's really that's really helpful. Because they, like, run yeah. in the door. Yeah. And everyone's fine. But LaCroix, LaCroix's all burnt on the one side of his face. And then we get, um, this is really dumb visiting your family. I can't fucking believe you made us come here. Because Jeanette's like, you didn't even ask if we were willing to die for this. Right. Because uh, we're not. And Nick is like, whatever. I'm not leaving. Uh. I want to do. I really wanted to go. This is the only thing I have ever asked you for. I wanted to come and see my mom and sister. Okay, because from his perspective, he left. He went to Wales. Uh, he got framed for murdering a woman. He got sent off to the Crusades, and he's just been gone, gone for years. At this point. And he got disillusioned with the church. He got, he grew a mullet. We all got traumatized. Cut the mullet. <laughs> he got turned into a vampire. He cut the mullet. And now he's like saying goodbye to his old life. So the last step in that is yep. going to see his sister and his mother to say goodbye. And they're all kind of huddled around this pillar like this is such a big fucking mistake. And then Fleur appears. Oh, Fleur. And Fleur's like... <gasps> Nicholas? And so she runs down and they hug and poor LaCroix all burned and awkward over on the, like, leaning on the pillar. Like, ugh, sucks so bad. I don't want to be here. And he actually introduces him. He's like, these are my friends. This is Jeanette Ducharme and this is Lucien LaCroix. No context. They're just my friends. It's cool. We're traveling together. And 
his mom pops out and she's like, oh, good. You're going to come eat. Let's go hang out. And he's like, actually, um, we got accosted down the road. We need to sleep. And we haven't slept in like three days. And could we really just, we one room is fine. We're all kind of a, it's a thruple situation. We can all stay together. Um, you know, we can stay in. And, you know, is there a room without windows? Don't, I mean, just so it'll be nice and dark so we can sleep, even though it's daylight, you know, that kind of thing. And she's like, well, you look so pale. No wonder you must be so tired. And so he ends up like coercing them into like, okay, let's, let's, let's sleep. And then tomorrow I'll tell you 85% of everything that's happened to me. Okay. And they're walking off with his mom and LaCroix gets ready to walk and he like. He faints faints, dramatically. Faints dramatically into Fleur's waiting arms. Oh, Fleur. Oh, I love this flashback. You know, LaCroix gets to be so one-dimensional sometimes. And then we get these glimpses of the fact that he could be a three-dimensional character and how beautiful that would be. And then we finally get an episode where he gets to do something other than be like smugly angry at Nick the entire episode. But yeah, he does get to be smugly angry at Nick this episode, but for reasons. Now he has a reason. For reasons, instead of just being like, I'm a megalomaniac asshole. I'm preparing you for the real world. It's like, you fucked with me. You did something to me that you can never take back. And I am never going to forgive you. LaCroix could have just gone back and. Talk to Fleur. Okay, well, we're going to get to that because I have feelings about the final decision of what happens with Fleur. And we're going to talk about it when we get to that showdown, like the okay. Nick LaCroix for Fleur showdown. Um, but she faints. And then he actually looks down at her. And instead of using a clip of him looking down at her, we use the clip from earlier where she's like, Lucien, Where she's wearing a different dress. Yeah, and she can see her shoulders. And then when we cut back, she's back into the other Outfit. The smock outfit. So they must have yeah. forgotten to film that, or they needed to insert it, or something. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't make a ton of sense, but whatever. Who cares? That doesn't change how I feel yeah. about this it's episode. And then we come back, and Cohen is like leaning on this piece of furniture, just like smearing her handprints all over this active crime scene. It's because she she doesn't get out of the office. Did much. you lick the wall too, Cohen? You want to leave a DNA sample over there next to your fingerprints? And she's like, oh, yeah, you know, this. there was a killer just like this out in Montreal last year. He killed two women out there, too. Uh, let's clip Cupid's wings because Valentine's Day is in two days, gentlemen, and I don't want to see this become a serial killer situation. And they're like, cool. And Skanky, um, giving no, no real fucks about what Cohen just said, is like, uh, I got to call the guy about my two-for-one ticket special to Las Vegas. And Nick is like, Las Vegas, I thought you were going to the beach. Didn't didn't she want to go to Hawaii didn't or something? Didn't she want to go to Hawaii? And he's like, yeah, there's probably a beach and a casino somewhere. That's, That's what really she really wants. wants. Yeah. He says, who made it so that there was only 51 days before between spend it all Santa and shower her with gifts Cupid? Like, why are there only 51 days between Christmas and, and Valentine's Day? And Nick is like, um, do you remember the last time you took her camping in Buffalo instead of on the Caribbean cruise she wanted to go on? Do you remember how that came out? And he was like, yeah, it was fine after I put up the mosquito net. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, skanky. They fold this little skanky side plot in here so nicely. Yeah. Because it 
keeps Skanky as like a character in the episode, but it doesn't end up overshadowing or devaluing what's happening with the Qua. Because Skanky is in this comfortable long-term marriage where he isn't um, Prince Charming, but he is like steady. He's reliable. He's comforting. He's present, but he's not uh, a knight in shining armor for Myra, right? Myra's desire for a beach is in there, but also Skanky's desire for Vegas. And so he's like, what's fine? She'll find something she likes in Vegas. Everybody will find something they like in Vegas. Vegas has something for everyone. And Skanky goes, you know what? It's because women don't even know what they want. (laughs) Come on, Skanky. (laughs) And Nick is like... Oh, women don't know what they want, huh? And Skanky's like, no, they don't. They don't know what they want. They don't know their own minds. <laughs> okay. And Nick is like, um, I think I know what a woman wants. I think. They all right, want, all right. Let's hear it, Nick. They want a man who isn't afraid to show their love. I seem to recall a fallout when you took her camping to Buffalo as opposed to the Caribbean cruise. Everything was okay, you know. Once we got the mosquito netting put up. The problem is, women do not know what they want, Nick. Really? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think the killer knew what he wanted. Poetry. A little romance, and he's in the door. You know what I think women want, Skank? A man who's not afraid to express his love. Hmm. Maybe, maybe hmm. Nick is wrestling with some things. I know, and then he like, looks over at Natalie like, okay, now go. So he walks over, and he's like, Natalie, walk you to your car? Oh, oh. And can we just take a moment and say a special thanks for the death of the front pleat on men's pants? (laughs) I don't know whoever thought that was going to be flattering on anybody, but it's not flattering on anybody. And no, no. So just want to take a moment. mm -mm. Also, the flat bottom vest is not an amazing choice. So luckily, he only wears it for these two scenes. And then we go back to LaCroix because, again, LaCroix's not okay. And he's continuing his radio program. He's unhinged and he has an audience. These are two terrible combinations. It's like all those videos where you see, like, uh, what what did you show me when it was, like, how to train your boyfriend? And there's one where he goes to, like, to, to talk into a mic and she's like, no, no podcasting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, you showed me that other one where they, like, take a microphone out of the trunk and the guy, like, puts the microphone yeah, they, up to his they face. they go up to, like, a drug deal. Yeah. They're like, come on, you're, you're going to love this. He's got the and good they, shit. And he pull- they, they pull out a microphone and he's like, go ahead and try it. And he's like, I don't know, I don't know. So they, they try it They and they do, like, these stereotypical just man podcast lines. Yeah. And then he gets it, and he just goes completely off the well, rails. Well, he gets stuck in, like, a dubstep mix or something. They're like, oh, God, he's stuck in the remix, and they have to, like, <laughs> knock him out. <laughs> um, that's Yeah, that's the claw this episode, because he's like, does love exist? Is it just some, you know, is it just some illusion? Does it even matter if love exists or not? And, and what, what terrible alchemy if what it does. hellish alchemy if it actually does matter. Yeah. If you have actually fallen in love, isn't that shit? <laughs> and then we go right back to the flashback. And this is like, Fleur is sitting out reading in the garden and LaCroix comes out and he's like, a good book is hard to put down. 
And this is such a sweet, she's not like other girls moment because she's out reading and she's like, oh, yes, I love the stars. I want to learn everything about them. It's my newest obsession. And he's like, it's a very old one of mine. Like, she loves the stars. <laughs> I love the stars, too. And I think this is... We have so much in common. This is so sweet. This is so fucking sweet. I love this flashback so fucking much. And he takes the book and he sets it on the other side. And she's like, oh, what benevolence flows through your veins that you have healed so quickly? And he's like, oh, no, no, it's not benevolence. I believe I was healed by your touch. <laughs> by the warmth of your touch. And she goes, you flatter me. And then she goes, but what troubles you? Because, of course, Nigel is getting to flex his acting muscles finally. And he's sitting there like, oh, God, I'm falling in love with this woman. Oh, God, I am falling in love with this woman against my will. I do not want this to happen. And then he pulls out this flower, which she clearly has picked for <laughs> There's just a bundle of flowers a, behind her. A, some cut and he's flowers like, behind her. Oh, here for you. And he's like, Oh, I, got, I didn't work at all. It's like if I it's like if I stopped on the way home and bought a bouquet and I had it out on the table and you pulled one of the flowers out and you were like, I got this for you. <laughs> out of the bouquet that out of you the brought bouquet home. that you bought for yourself. But it's cute. It's a cute moment because he pulls the flower out. And he goes to hand it to her. And, of course, at this point, Nick and Jeanette have come out the door. And Nick's about to be like, uh-uh. Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly the vibe. And Jeanette's like, no. Jeanette's like, shh, no. shh, shh. I love love. Just let this happen. It, it looks like it's mutual. She's like, no, no, no. This is not. Just let this happen. It's totally fine. I get Nick's point of view here. We know full well Lacroix can hypnotize anybody into anything, and this is his little sister. And Jeanette is totally downplaying how dangerous Lacroix is. Yeah. Or how dangerous Lacroix can be and usually is. is. I mean, imagine what he has seen Lacroix do at this point. And Lacroix has been telling him for years, probably. Like, no, no, you just kill people. It's fine. You fall in love with them. You eat them. You Give forget no them. Give no thought you to these mortals. Yeah. You find one, you eat them quick. You find one, you fall in love for a couple of days. You eat them then. Whatever. It's like chiclets. You just pop a couple. You can't. It's, <laughs> it's like, a, what are the chips? You can't stop at one. Whatever. Yeah. It's fine. And then he's seeing this serial killer fall in love with his little sister. And it's like, uh-uh. Oh, no. This is not happening. This is not how I imagined this going. But Jeanette's like, shh. shh, shh. And he doesn't even necessarily know that Lacroix's falling in love. He yeah. just sees Lacroix doing the same thing to his little sister that he has done to countless other women. Yes. And, you know, appear infatuated with them and and maneuver himself into their good graces yeah, if they've been, so that he can take advantage. If they've been together two years, it's possible he has seen LaCroix murder 500 plus people. Yeah. And here he is with his little sister and he's like, mm. and then he pulls the, he hands her the rose and she cuts her finger on a thorn and he does the like, oh, and he ends up just like gently touching it to his lips. Like, I could have taken that as a moment to just have my way with you, but instead I will touch you with my gentle lip touch. <laughs> and Jeanette's like, oh, so cute. <laughs> I've never seen him like this before. And I wanted to point out that actually the the dress that Fleur is wearing is the exact same style dress that Gwen was wearing in the Queen of Harps episode. 
it's not the same dress. I think it's different fabric, but it's the exact same style with the same trim and everything. Yeah. And then Nick is actually re-wearing his outfit from mm. Queen of Harps. And I wonder if this was a budget restriction. <laughs> if they were like, okay, well, we built this set, so we don't have a lot of money left for costumes. Maybe we can rate it and see if we can figure out something else. Mm. It works. It's fine. It's all period appropriate as much as look as much as forever night is ever period appropriate uh it fits it doesn't feel anachronistic let's put it that way right. so it's fine and then we come back and lacroix is still talking about love and he's like he sounds so tired like nigel bennett is kill crushing it this episode because you get that this is a time of year that reminds him of the, he had a faded mate he had a fucking faded mate and she died. And Nick talked him out of it. And he's never getting her back ever again. And he has to face eternity knowing he had love and he lost it. Yeah. And it's possible he's never going to find it again because he's 2,000 fucking years old and he's fallen in love one time. And he's like, just say no to love. A carnival cupie or like a doll and an electric blanket is just is fine. Say no to love. Carnival QP in a electric blanket will give you more satisfaction. Don't ever give them your heart. Don't ever give them your heart. <laughs> oh, LaCroix. Wow. And then Nick. So much trauma Nick, there. of course, who is oblivious to LaCroix's slow unraveling, <laughs> arrives at the precinct and Skanky is looking at a jewelry catalog and he's like, oh, that's something Myra will like. And he gives Skanky a back hug. He like leans over Skanky and like rests his arm on his shoulders. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You shrug like that's fine. It would freak me out. It'd be like, oh God, so much contact. And then... <laughs> I don't, I, physical contact and me have a troublesome relationship, but um, he like back hugs him and Skanky's like, yeah, but my accountant won't like it. And then he watches, like Skanky watches Nick off screen and he has this like inside joke look on his face as Nick is walking around. I don't know what Nick must have been doing while he was walking around, but. Pulling some weird face. John Kapalos looks really amused because then Cohen comes and sits down and starts talking. He doesn't break eye contact with Nick. He does not look over at Cohen. He's continuing to look at Nick. And Cohen is like, oh, you know, the, the psych evaluation came back and says that this guy's smart, creative, but he has an ambivalence towards women that can only be reconciled by violence. And Nick's like, Oh, wait, is that LaCroix or me? I can't. Hang on. <laughs> Skanky's just like, ah, the old love-hate thing. Yeah, the old love-hate thing. And then Nick pulls out his pillbox because he's thinking about Natalie, and so he has to, like, fondle his pillbox. So he pulls yeah. out his pillbox, and Skanky's like, whoa, 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 did you get drunk and I missed it? <laughs> like, are you taking an ibuprofen, whatever? Yeah. And he goes, no, this is vitamin A for my skin condition, Skanky. <laughs> And then Cohen's like, you know, the, our psychanalysts predict that he probably does this around the holidays because they always say there's like a spike in this kind of stuff because holidays are hard. And Skanky's like, yeah, especially on your wallet. And then Nick goes, especially if you're single. And he just stands up and they both just stare at <laughs> And he just drops the mic and walks off. I, I have a feeling that John Kapalos was keeping his eyes on Garrett because he was waiting for Garrett to do some prank. Oh, he may have. I don't know. But it's just hysterical that Cohen, who we know is at least has a child, maybe is married. 
mm-hmm. at least has a child because in um, Amateur Night, the one where the little girl dies, she has like the picture of her daughter. Okay. And then um, we, of course, we know Skanky's married. So Nick, Nick in this whole combination is the only one who's getting ready to face Valentine's Day alone. Other than Natalie. Womp womp. In this particular combination is how I phrase okay. it. And so he goes, especially if you're single, and then he just leaves. And in fact, Jeez, there's, like, guys. there's a phone ringing in the background. And as soon as he says that, the phone ringing cuts off. And so it actually sounds like the sound drops out when he says that. Mm-hmm. And then he leaves. And apparently they go from there to the morgue because Natalie has been doing her autopsy. And she's like, yeah, lady had the shit choked out of her. <laughs> the grip was so strong it displaced some vertebrae that's a strong grip yeah that's uh it's a lot of um book handling i guess Mm. Mm. and nick is like yeah physically strong but inept in relationships i know the feeling (laughs) (laughs) and he's like any woman who's romantically neglected is a target (laughs) yeah <laughs> just to just <laughs> to get na- uh skanky riled up. Well, Natalie goes. She does this look like you you can stop calling me out. I get it, okay? <laughs> and I was like, "Nat, the call's coming from inside the room." <laughs> I think he's talking about you. He doesn't know he's talking about you. And then Skanky's like, "Romantically neglected. Shit, I need to go call Myra. She's probably done washing the cars by now." <laughs> Natalie goes, uh, poor, oh, he says, sorry, Nick says, poor Myra. And Natalie replies, Skanky's no prince, but at least he cares. Mm-hmm. And Nick is like, oh, shit, okay, um, Natalie, um, hey, how you doing? Like, she tries to engage him in conversation, and Natalie gets this look of abject terror, which I completely agree with. Like, I would have done the exact same thing. <laughs> because normally whenever Skanky leaves, Nick is like, okay, well, I'm on the case. See you later. And so or he leaves. I'm going to talk some vampire shit with you. Right. But instead, he's uh, he's just like, how are you? So, how are you doing? How are you doing? And anytime somebody asks me a direct question about myself and I'm not prepared for it, I'm like, <gasps> fine. <laughs> what do you want? Do you need something? And what in Natalie's you- case, uh, she's never been in this like there's a there's a precedent there's a pattern of how nick behaves in this context right and he's breaking the pattern yes and so now she doesn't know what to expect yeah because anytime uh, he's acting unpredictably there's usually something bigger going on yeah he's still the predator in the room He's yeah. Nick, but he's still the predator in the room. So as soon as she he puts he like like focuses in on her and then asks her a direct question and she's like, uh, what? And he ends up, you know, having kind of a sweet conversation with her. Um, doesn't do a whole lot to I mean, eventually she kind of softens up, but it's still like, This isn't the pattern. Who are you? What's going on? And then we go immediately into a flashback and it's Nick arguing with LaCroix. And he's like you cannot possibly be in love. You do not have a shred of humanity in your body. And LaCroix's like, normally I'd agree with you. <laughs> like, Have you forgotten your own lessons? Yeah, he's like, uh, you've been telling me for years that I need to let go of my mortal compunctions. And LaCroix's like, heard 
thank you. I don't need you to repeat my lessons back to me. How do you think I fucking feel about this? Do you think I like it? I'm falling in love against my will. <laughs> this isn't something I asked for. At least he didn't for. say against my better judgment. Yeah. He's just like, this is happening to me. I, this has never happened to me before. I'm completely out of my element. Do you think I like feeling? And then he stops and he's like, love? And he just leaves. <laughs> and then we get, oh, he says he's going to call her. That's what Nick tells her. He's like, so if I have any updates, I'll, I'll call you, okay? And she's like, yeah, go ahead. You, you can call. Yeah, call. And then Natalie is unloading her groceries, getting ready to go into her apartment, and we're doing the like steady cam around the corner yeah, as the, if the, somebody like, is watching shot. her. Which means Nick is just loitering in the hallway. Waiting for her to get home. Waiting for her to get home. How long is has he, he been here? Is he standing with like half of his face behind the wall and then the other half on like his one eye peeking out? I will say though, <laughs> this is an improvement. Ah, yes. He didn't break into her. He could have just been in her apartment. Right, yeah. He could have just been waiting, like, leaning on her counter, like, directly in line of sight from yeah. the door. And then she opens the door and goes, ah! <laughs> He could have appeared behind her. Instead, he comes around the corner. He could have come around the corner when she was trying to unlock the door while ha holding a bag of laundry, or while holding a bag of groceries and a box of files. But instead, he waits till she puts down the box or puts down the bag, unlocks her door, walks in, sets the box down, comes back out to get the groceries. And then he's like, hey, Natalie. She's like, ah! <laughs> oh, OK. Uh, hi, Nick. And he's like, yeah, you know, Skanky handled the microfiche situation for me. The handwriting matched. So I had a few minutes to spare. And I was just driving and thinking and thinking and driving and driving yeah. and thinking and thinking and driving. And, and, uh, and can I help you carry the groceries in? She's like, yeah, it's fine. So he picks the groceries up and comes in. And then she's sitting on the couch and she's like, so what were you driving and thinking about? And he was like, I was thinking about, you know, everything, nothing, us. I was thinking about us. And she's like, oh, what were you, what were you thinking about us? And he goes, Come here. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do about us, huh, pal? He could have come gonna, around. What's going to happen here? He could have come around and sat on the couch. But instead, he's like. He could have just whooshed over the couch to sit down next to her. Just hover then, over and hover, hover down with his arm <laughs> over her shoulder. Can you imagine how freaky that would be? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hi, Nick. <laughs> Just imagine so all the moves that us. a vampire would have in this situation. The face I'm making right now makes me think I should put more work into putting us up on YouTube. <laughs> he's like, what are we going to do about this? And she's like, about what? And he's like, about how we feel. And she's got this like glazed expression, which can confirm this happens when you are in a certain proximity of Garrett Wynn Davies. This may be an actual involuntary reaction. <laughs> I have seen this happen also. <laughs> Matt has witnessed this in person. She's just like, what? <laughs> Did you ask me a question? Because I blacked out a minute ago. <laughs> <laughs> and then we go to a flashback. And well, we, we get... I don't I think was, they was, Mac yet. I think he just like puts his hands on either side of her face. He, it's a gentle kiss. Oh, okay. And I, I said, this is, that's the most subtle kiss 
I've ever seen him give a woman. <laughs> and I was thinking in retrospect, we get like the both extremes in this of episode. kissing technique with between him and Natalie. Cause <laughs> because there's the way he kisses when he wants to just show that he's interested and show affection. And then when he, there's the there, there's one, the wooing kiss and then there's the No, no, then there's the one kiss. he does when he's literally trying to remove their soul from inside <laughs> their body. <laughs> there are only two. We get to see both. Right. There's no spectrum. There's here. no there's no in between. <laughs> There's point A and there's point B and there's no line in between. Okay, so we get A and B. Uh, but we get a flashback. And this is LaCroix like perambulating about the garden with Fleur. And he says, if I could spend the rest of my days, not his life, his days on this quest. Because she's like, I just wish I could know what the stars are made of. Like, I wish I could just learn everything. There's so much that I'm curious about. And he's like, I would ask nothing more than to spend my life satisfying your curiosity. When I gaze upon the stars, I yearn to know what they are and why they exist. Each is unique. Each possesses the potential to reveal the mysteries of the universe. I desire that knowledge. We both seek the same revelation. If I could spend the rest of my days on this quest with you, there's nothing more I would ask of life. I have never felt such closeness. This bond I seem to have with you. It's as if we've been together forever. Yes. Because they're fucking faded mates. Because she's like, I've never felt this way about anybody else. I've never felt this kind of attraction. And he's like, it's like we've known each other forever. And then she goes to kiss him. And he like rears back like, oh, shit. I didn't hate that. And then he like leans back in to kiss her more too. It's real sweet. Mm -hmm. This is probably more romantic than if you smushed point A and point B together. <laughs> because you don't you don't see that out of Lacroix, and you totally totally believe that he is absolutely smitten with Fleur. Yes, yeah, I would say the acting is convincing. Yeah, there is so much chemistry between these two actors you absolutely believe that he is swept off his feet completely powerless and unexpected and then we come back because Lacroix is looking up at the stars again and he's like oh the stars the only comforting light because he clearly still misses her mm -hmm. after eight centuries and then we find out that Lacroix is standing outside of Natalie's window. Watching Nick and because Natalie. Because he is not okay. okay? <laughs> and I'm not saying he doesn't spend a large portion of his days, nights, following Nick around. He has to. Otherwise, how could he most efficiently fuck with him if he didn't keep up with the daily goings on of his life? However, I don't think he normally spends the entirety of the evening following him around. He does tonight because he's on a mission and we don't know what that mission is yet but we're gonna find out but he's like reciting beat poetry to himself he's so upset he's pontificating to himself but he's watching the makeout king doing makeout things because uh they're macking in the house mm -hmm. <laughs> 
And he ends up going to from there to the recording studio, which he's not recording. He's still wearing his jacket, although the light is blinking. So I don't know. But he's not sitting at the desk. And this is when he's like reciting beat poetry to himself. And he ends up saying like, they'll strangle you with your own heartstrings. They'll wrap your own heartstrings around your neck. You have to be careful. He's like, spend your night in one night, spend your life in one night stands, but don't like commit yourself to one person. That's when you lose all your power. He's just like, ah, love. (laughs) Just slowly degrading. And then there's another murder. And Nick and Natalie show up at the same time. And Skanky's like, whoa, did you guys synchronize your watches or something? And they're like, beepers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 it was our beepers. Yep. Oh, we rode over here together because Natalie needed a ride. And I was already at her house. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, was, I was already in her living room right next to her. Yeah. Yeah, that. And then we go back to another flashback. And he didn't have his car. <laughs> he probably he flew, flew over. over. <laughs> Where did he leave his car? At his house? Maybe he oh, let Skanky knows? drive. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's a rabbit hole. So anyway, we go back to another flashback. Because LaCroix and Fleur are continuing this discussion. And she's like, I just wish I could spend forever with you. Like, I wish we had forever together. And LaCroix's like, well, actually. Hmm. It just so happens. That- now that you mention it. Um, I haven't really talked about it, but like that could be a thing. And Nick is creeping in the shadows. And this reminds me of, I watched, I, I read a comic about reading romance novels with a ton of spice in them. It's like two people making out in bed and then they look over and there's a lady just standing there and she's like, it's okay. Keep going. Just pretend I'm not here. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's what it feels like reading those types of books. Mm -hmm. But he's like lurking in the shadows because LaCroix is like, we could be together like forever. All I have to do is like one little thing. And so he like (laughs) rears back, prepares to bite Fleur. And then LaCroix, or sorry, Nick runs in and like pushes LaCroix off and shoves him up against the wall. And LaCroix's like, <laughs> like he was, you know, interrupted. Yeah. He's all jazzed up for this. He's having a hard time coming down from it. And Nick does the whole face transformation thing. And he's like, this is what we are. This is what he is. We're monsters. We're evil. And you don't want to be like this. And Fleur's like, oh, I've read about this. Yeah. You guys are yeah, like vampires, right? Uh, vampires. Yeah, no, I'm I'm cool with it. Yeah, that's so cool. I yeah. Yeah, no, can, I'm Can can we do that? I am completely fine with this, Nick. And Nick's like, that's not what I was hoping for. <laughs> that's not what I was hoping for. Uh she's like, "Oh, that old thing." Yeah, yeah, I don't give a shit. I would I want to be with LaCroix. We could be together uh uh forever. And Nick is like, no, I hear those words coming out of your mouth, but I don't think you mean what you're saying. So I'm going to go ahead and make this decision for you. Okay. I have problems with this. I get where we're going. I get that this ramps up the drama. It gives us the qua angst. It gives us a lot of... um explanation for why LaCroix has just been aggressively fucking with Nick... For years and years and years. I don't know why we didn't remember this when he'd fallen in love with the ballerina lady. But that's okay. So I get it. But at the same time, poor Fleur. 
I got so no agency in this. I agree with the argument that Nick makes to LaCroix. Yes. That it's her purity that you're in love with. And if you turn her into a vampire, that's going to destroy the thing about her that you love. So you should be aware of that. Right. Um, please don't do it because this is my little sister. And on some level, LaCroix must agree because he doesn't right. do it. Right. But to take away all of Fleur's agency yes, by hypnotizing her and wiping her memory, dude. Dude. This is a moment where it's like, LaCroix, let's stay for another couple of weeks now that she knows what you are. Why don't you walk her through what life is like? Give her an accurate description of right. what Get this is going to be Get to know her a little like. better. Maybe there will be things other than her, like, purity, maybe, like, her curiosity, her mind, whatever, that wouldn't be destroyed Yeah. should she become a vampire. Because, obviously, my sister's into this. I don't want to deny her a life of happiness, potentially. And, well, I guess he doesn't really know at this point in his relationship with LaCroix if something could keep LaCroix busy, Nick's life would be way better. Precisely. He could have saved himself so much trouble if he just had one other thing to bother 800 years him. of yes. trauma. Yes. Yep. Correct. That is what he trades for this moment. This one moment of, mm, do you really know her that well? Do you really think this is a good idea? Buys him 800 years of, oh, you liked that thing? Joke! I killed it. <laughs> one one night of fucking around gets him 800 years of the finding, finding out. out. It absolutely does. Of course, we're ascribing a lot of reason here. Nick is very young. He's still only like 30. Um, rationality, rationality is the first casualty. Or re reason is the first casualty of strong emotion. That is correct. As we learned in uh, Dune Messiah. Right. And both of them are inexperienced in love. The only time Nick has fallen in love at any point is really Gwen, I guess, the harp lady. And she got murdered. So look how that fucking turned out. And then LaCroix has never been in love like this before. And I have more I could say about that, but it's fucking spoilers for season three. So we're going to have to revisit this. But he's not really had any kind of a healthy relationship. Let's put it that way. His other relationships have all ended up truly fucking disturbing. And so this is the first time that he's ever been in love with someone. And he's in love with the fact that I think he's in love with the fact that she wants nothing from him. I think that's what he means from purity. Right, this that is she just, has no expectations of him. Right, he's in love with the fact that she is in love with him. Right, she's in love with his personality. She doesn't know anything about him, right. about what he's done, or about what he who can he do is, for her. what he can do for her. Correct. Is he rich? Is he poor? Does he have skills? Is he a layabout? Whatever. Yeah. Just... They're vibing. Right. And we liked and each she's other. I mean, it. we liked each other pretty much immediately. This is a thing that can happen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I saw you and we played Magic the Gathering for hours. Yeah. And then you were reading Wizard of Earthsea. It's like, oh. You're like, gotta oh, get that. God, I gotta have that. <laughs> <laughs> 
See, sometimes you're attracted up for to one thing at first, and then you find out that there's more things about that person that you like. I don't know. There's a lot of ways this could have gone. I hate how it ends. I hate that look that Nick is just like, forget you loved this dude. Go to bed. We'll be gone when you wake up. Right. And it seems implausible that LaCroix would kind of let Nick take charge in this situation and push him around. I think because he's in such unfamiliar territory and he's unsure of his own motivations and he doesn't want to fuck it up. Because he actually this he this matters. I get this. He this yeah. is totally unexpected. So he is completely just removing himself from the situation because it matters so deeply to him. So he's letting someone else make the decision, and he lets Nick make the decision. And I know, and I don't think it's a very big spoiler. Flair doesn't live that much longer after this. She has a son, and then she dies. Oof. So what what a gut punch that like. She doesn't even get a long life, not really. I mean, mm-hmm. for the for the time period, maybe, but that's the thing I don't get. She's clearly already older. We're gonna harp on this for a few more minutes. I'm just gonna go because this is something that bothers me every time I watch it. She's clearly like twenty ish. She's probably twenty ish. She's not married off. So how well to do could his family be? Because the father's dead. She did not get immediately married, so they don't have any kind of a patriarch. His mother didn't get remarried. It's clear that this is not like a thriving household. This is not a household that... Right. We don't see any other staff in the household. Right. So what is he really taking her away from? What would would the risk be? Oh, you don't get a short, pitiful life where you die from disease? Oh, God damn it. I'm sorry I robbed that from you. And she's had all this time. I think what really bothers him is just, one, he doesn't know LaCroix all that well. He was changed without really being given any information about what that change was going to mean. And then he spent all this time with LaCroix, who was encouraging him to be a serial killer. And I don't think he's thinking, maybe this softens LaCroix, too. Maybe they meet in the middle. Maybe this isn't a situation where... LaCroix takes her innocence and gets to do everything he wants to do. Maybe this is a situation where she brings LaCroix back a little bit because he finally has something he cares about that's not him. Because he cares about Jeanette and Nick, but only as an extension of himself, not as people. Clearly, because he's not interested in whoever Nick wants to be. That Whoever Nick wants to be is boring, and he wants Nick to be the guy he wants him to be. I can see a situation that would make Nick uncomfortable. If LaCroix turns Fleur Fleur into a vampire, but then, like, marries her or whatever, does Fleur become his vampire sister or vampire (laughs) stepmother? (laughs) Don't. (laughs) Don't. (laughs) And think... (laughs) Things get complicated, and Nick doesn't like complicated. This is my sister mom, Fleur. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I just with his brother, uh, Dad. I feel for. I feel for Fleur. Yeah. And yeah, Fleur. Fleur I feel for mostly Fleur because, but Laquaz the real, like. I mean, all all of them, because Nick is like, woohoo, I'm immortal and I get to spend eternity doing whatever the fuck I want. Oh, no, I don't want that for my sister. She should. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) What? 
What? I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know. This is what always, but you know what? And it's supposed to. The fact that this has invited this much discussion is exactly what it's supposed to do. You're not supposed to know where you fall. You're supposed to kind of feel for both of them. You're supposed to feel for LaCroix because he's lost the love of his immortal life, his faded mate. And you're supposed to feel for Nick because Nick did what he did out of love for Fleur. Everybody did what they did because they love Fleur. Fleur didn't get to do what Fleur wanted to do because Fleur loved Fleur, but that's okay. I mean, that's it's it's, it's not yeah. the '90s. That's and, that's the real travesty here. Yeah, that's the thing that bothered. Nobody was like Fleur. Would you like to go out and watch Lacroix eat dinner, and then come back and tell me whether you want to do this or not? Let's have a let's have a a, a vampire. What do you call it when you have like a really short lesson about something? Like a crash course or yeah, like a like, vamp- let's have a vampire crash course where we we do all the things, okay? You come out with the three of us and you get to see what what vampires do. Yeah, we'll go eat. We'll uh we'll fry in the sun for a little bit. We'll uh we'll sleep all day. We will not be able to eat or drink anything anytime anybody asks. Um, we'll fly, which honestly, we probably shouldn't do that because that's going to sell you on it. Sorry. So we'll skip the flying. Um, but we will definitely go kill somebody in your presence. Cool. And then you can decide because she may not, she may know what vampires are, but it may not like register. Right. Oh, he kills people like a lot. And at this point, Nick doesn't know there's any alternatives because he's still in his, I chose this. I like it. Right. And he's only being informed by Jeanette and Lacroix. Yeah. Who aren't interested in alternative forms of right. nourishment. I just wanted the floor to be given the choice, I guess. That's what I wanted. Yeah. Anyway, we go back to the crime scene because there's a second crime scene. And Natalie and Nick show up at the same time. And then she's inspecting the body and he comes over and he's like, what do you think? And she's like, yeah, it's probably the same guy. I mean, it's pretty fucking obvious. Look, he wrote on the wall. And Nick is like, no, fuck the crime scene. What do you think about us? So the, they start and she's chatting like, about them. She's like, oh, yeah. Um, you know, and then Skanky walks over and she's like, yeah, time of death was definitely about six hours Definitely ago. strangulation. Definitely strangulation. The quick topic switch is really. Like, great execution, Catherine. Well done. And then Nick starts to um, put some things together because Skanky makes a crack and then he like looks over at the thing about, you know, because this one, the fiance is there. Yeah. So they can't not notice that she was engaged. Yeah. And she's he's like, uh, was the previous lady engaged? And Skanky goes, uh, yeah, her mom said she was. And if anybody knows, her mom would know. And then he's like, were the other two women engaged? And Skanky goes, hang on, I've got that information. And he comes back over with a clipboard. And they're like, yeah, they were. Everybody was engaged. Oh, maybe that's a pattern. That's okay. And then he's like, okay, what did the other two do? And so he lists them off. And then he's going to tell him the third one. And uh, Nick goes, yeah, yeah, I know. She was a ad re- researcher. And then they realize that all of them have library books. All of them have, yeah. Research stuff. library books. They've spent time at the library doing research. Like, research stuff. Yeah. yeah. And Skanky's like, I have the sudden urge to renew my library card. So they go to the library, and Skanky immediately goes upstairs, but Nick goes to the desk, and he's like, and can you tell like me? this is, like, the most skilled, like, investigation questioning that I've ever seen Nick perform. 
Possibly because it's the only one. <laughs> but he walks in and gives her the books. And he's like, can you tell me where these came from? Like, what areas? And she's like, actually, these came from a bunch of different areas. They probably came through central research. And he's like, oh, okay. Um, I'm looking for this guy. Um, oh, my gosh. I forgot his name. But he's a new guy. Just came here from Montreal. Works in research. And she's like, oh, yeah. You mean Stan. He's one of our best researchers. He's quite the character. Everybody loves him. And Nick is like, oh, okay, great. And so meanwhile, Skanky's gone upstairs, walked directly up to Stan and was like, hey, I'm looking for uh, like a researcher who might be able to help me. Who just moved here from Montreal. And then he pulls out his police badge and Stan's like, oh, shit. <laughs> he like pushes over the cart, scrambles in the desk, gets a knife, grabs his female coworker and holds the knife up to her throat. And then he books it. And he ends up pulling this cart in just as he goes around a corner. So when Skanky goes to chase him around the corner, he takes a header over this cart. And Skanky just goes, night. (laughs) (laughs) Not knowing where Nick is at all. Because it doesn't matter. Because because he knows he's going to hear him. Because Nick, when, when it comes down to it, Nick will be where he needs to be. Right. He knows Nick is going to hear him no matter what. He just goes, night. And Nick, whoosh, like... He doesn't even yell out loud. He's just like, night. Night. And then Nick flies off from where he is and tackles this guy against the wall. And he's like, happy Valentine's Day, Stan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this the, like, serial killer plot line gets wrapped up really cleanly. At 27 minutes. Yeah. It gets wrapped up at 27 minutes because the rest of this... <laughs> <laughs> They came to play and they played. And so, well, we're going to get to the good part of this episode now because, of course, the guy's immediately like, they loved me, but they were leaving me and they were all my girlfriends and they were getting married and I like to make them laugh and I just wish I could make them laugh. And Cohen's, of course, doing the questioning so that Nick can stand in the room and watch. With Natalie. And Natalie's like, I can't help but feel like he was in love with an illusion. It's all just an illusion. And Nick is like, reep, reep, reep. Like, uh-oh, that might be about us. So he turns around. He's like, Natalie, do, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. And he's like, do you do you think we're an illusion? And she's like, no, 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 no. That's that's not what I'm, D- I'm, I'm not definitely what I'm not about. wrestling with that yeah. concept in my head. And then we have our final Fleur flashback where we we get Nick and LaCroix debating over Fleur without Fleur really getting a say in it. And this is where he's like, you're in love with her innocence. And the first time you bite her, that innocence is gone. And then what will you be in love with? And she'll be a vampire. and A you'll, cold-blooded killer. You'll be stuck together in a cycle of hatred for all of eternity. I want you to be stuck in a cycle of hatred with me, LaCroix. <laughs> what about me? <laughs> Aren't I your special little new vampire? And LaCroix's like, don't worry, I'm going to hate you forever anyway. It's okay. <laughs> Our animosity cannot be destroyed so easily. <laughs> and poor LaCroix, he really checks out. He's like, I don't, I'm, I can't. Like, I can't. I thought I was making the right decision. I don't know how I feel. And this is when Nick is like, look at me, Flair. Look me in the eye. He's like, go to sleep and forget. He doesn't tell her what to forget. He just tells her to forget. And I love it. The next morning she woke up and she's like, who am I? <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> or or she's like, ah, it's my 11th birthday. <laughs> <laughs> no, he just told her to forget. What if she forgot Nick but never forgot LaCroix? She came out and was oh. like, LaCroix, hello. And then Nick was like, Fleur, don't talk to him. And she's like, who the fuck is that? That's why you got to specify that shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And this is when Nick is like, uh, not Nick, sorry. LaCroix is like, it's so ironic that a cold, still heart can feel such pain. It is a great irony, is it not? That such a cold, still heart can feel such pain. Because he's saying goodbye forever. And this is when Nick is like, Natalie, can you keep tomorrow night open? And she's like, oh, I'll have to check my dance card. <laughs> and then she goes, you got to get home before the sun comes up. And he's just sitting there. And she goes, this staring is, at her. She goes, this is not a drill. And he goes, I know. And then he just leaves. <laughs> <laughs> and luckily, LaCroix is lurking in the precinct. He's like, <laughs> I thought they could sense each other. Can't he uh, tell o- LaCroix? Only if he's head? listening. Because mm. LaCroix not even hiding. He's like. In the, he's like standing behind the desk. Like Nick right is always oblivious to the presence of other vampires. Nick is always oblivious. Full stop. Uh, there you go. Full stop. All right. Thank you for the correction. You're welcome. So Natalie is working in the morgue and some flowers arrive and Skanky brings her these flowers. And he's like, whoa. Ho, ho. This is very reminiscent of another box of very long flowers <laughs> that she's received. So I said, it's like only the lonely take two. Yeah. And he's like, I hope I hit the right theater and I'm delivering this to the right person. And he g- gives her these flowers. And he pulls out the invitation because she takes a couple flowers out to go put them in a vase. And he pulls out the invitation and he's like, ho, ho. Uh, Natalie, I hope you will join me tonight at the Azure, a gentleman from the 13th century. And he's like, oh, whoever this is, they must be weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's a weirdo, too. <laughs> Hello. They delivered these to the incorrect theater. Smashing performance this evening, Miss Lampert. Hang on to this guy, Natalie, whoever he is. He put you on cloud nine. Now he wants to keep you there. Thanks for bringing them over, Skank. Oh, an invitation to dine. Oh, the single life. I remember it well. Which reminds me, did Myra call? I can't find her. I want to let her know what restaurant we have a table at tonight. Uh, no. Sorry. Hmm. Dear Natalie, I would be thrilled if you would meet me for dinner at Azure. <laughs> this evening, 8 o'clock. A gentleman from the 13th century? Okay. And then, then, she goes because she's been invited on a date and she thinks it's Nicholas. Hey. But it's not. It's LaCroix. She got the daddy. <laughs> gotcha. God. Thank you. Wow. Okay. Now LaCroix is the is a daddy. Well not, I can't. It's in my head. Okay. And it's funny because she's never actually met him. So she walks in and she's like, um, Hi. And he's like, oh, sorry. I thought Surely you know, know who I am. Surely uh, Nick has talked about me. She's like, oh, my God, I didn't recognize your voice without reverb. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, it is I, La Croix. <laughs> it is time for you to meet Nick's parents. You know, me. And she, <laughs> she goes, I thought you'd look older. You know, like, look, uh, I thought you'd be older is what she says. And then she goes, I mean, look, I thought you'd look older. And he goes. Fucking charmer. You want to talk about a daddy line? He goes, I heard that you were pretty, not that you were exquisite. (laughs) And I'd heard that you were pretty, but not that you were exquisite. 
Hot damn, LaCroix. He could just woo her away from Nick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That wouldn't be hard. Mm-hmm. But instead, he's he's blunt instrumenting this because he's not okay right now. Okay? Right. He's in a, he, he's he's in a trauma game. spiral right now. Okay? But he bought out the whole restaurant. And she's like, oh, that's nice. Instead of being like, oh, my God, he's going to kill me. I, I think she is fairly terrified at a certain level. She is once he starts describing how much he likes opening champagne. <laughs> She's like, oh shit, I'm alone in this restaurant right, with a fucking tiger. Yeah. And it's hungry. I don't think it immediately checks out for her because she spends a lot of time with Nick and to her Nick is a vampire because she's kind of interacted with Jeanette but Jeanette is fairly tame she has her little yes. like lair that she lives in and she kind of does you know goth girl shit but she doesn't do like hyper violent I'm capable of killing anyone I have zero remorse remorse shit right. like Laquata's so she's spent time with um, Nick, who we canonically have established is a fat house cat. Yes. Um, not realizing that uh, his dad was a, a tiger. Yes. A yeah. predator. An yes. apex predator is what LaCroix is. And I don't think she quite realizes that's who she's in there with until he pulls out the champagne. But we'll get there because then we cut to Nick because Nick's actually trying to call her and she's not picking up. Because they're supposed to get together tonight. And then he gets a call from Skanky, and Skanky's like, have you seen Myra? Because he asked Natalie earlier. He was like, did Myra call here? She's And we missing. get to see Skanky's house. Yeah, not Skanky's closet man cave bedroom thing where his feet were like resting on his TV, <laughs> which we saw in a previous episode. But like, oh, this is what his house is really nice. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is probably his living room. Because he's in his house, and he's like, have you seen Myra? And Nick is like, no, I haven't. And he's like, because I got home and she left me a note. And it just says, I'll see you later. Do you know what that means? And Nick is like, I'm sure I'm sure it'll all work out. You'll see her at the airport. He's like, yeah. we have a flight at 6 o'clock tomorrow. To yeah, to whatever. Vegas. We're flying to Vegas and at 6 a.m. Like, and he's like, oh, she'll, like be ah, she'll be there. Just don't worry about and it. And he's like, okay, I mean, if you say so, I guess. And then... He hangs up, tries to call Natalie again. Doesn't work. So he goes to the morgue and he finds the flowers and he looks at the card and he's like, oh, God, it's happened again. Fucking LaCroix. Of course, it's the same flower that he gave Fleur. A little white rose. Mm. That's part of that's part of how he knows. He's like, oh, God, it's LaCroix. <laughs> so he goes out the back back door and he just pushes off. <laughs> Carnations. The little ones. <laughs> the pink flowers. <laughs> Okay, that's a Grand Magic reference. Um, we need to figure out if they're going to make a DVD. Sometimes they make a DVD of these. If there's a DVD of Grand Magic, I highly suggest you go and watch it because it was really, really good. But there's a scene where this little girl is trying to describe to somebody what her favorite flower is. And she's like, I like the carnations, but not the big ones. You know, the little pink ones, like they tie on baskets. And then she tells this story about watching horses eat hay. And in the hay was this little pink flower. This little carnation. And she had to watch the horse eat the little pink flower. And she <laughs> cries. And every time it comes up, she just bawls. Yeah. And they're like, we, yes, we know the horse ate the carnation. <laughs> <laughs> and then we find out from another flashback that 
Not only did Nick take Fleur away from LaCroix, but LaCroix was not as complicit in the choice as we thought because he was like, He didn't someday? go along with it as smoothly yes. as it was implied. He's like, you know how someday you're going to fall in love? I'm going to fucking be there. I'm going to take them from you. The way you took Fleur from me. And only then are we going to be, are we going to be even Steven? Not until then, Nick, and I'm going to be watching you forever. Like a hawk. And Nick is like, it's fine. He's going to get bored in like 15 years. It's totally cool. It's all right. I'm never going to fall in love anyway. I'm never going to fall in love and he's going to get over this and it's going to be okay. Whoop, whoop, whoop. 800 years later. <laughs> Looks like you're falling in love, Nick. God damn it. <laughs> what did I do? Yeah, like why did, why did the ballerina not count? Uh, I don't because they hadn't come up with this plot line yet. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And Nick is like, yeah, okay. Like, I'm going to fall in love with a mortal. Okay, dad. <laughs> I'm with Jeanette. That's never going to happen. Did you see what I'm already hitting? God. Uh, and this is when we get to LaCroix's like, I've always enjoyed the ceremony of opening champagne. The pressure release. <laughs> <laughs> the fine spray. The vapor. <laughs> Natalie's like, oh, God, because he pops open the cork and she goes. <laughs> she flinches. <laughs> this whole scene is so magical. Is he talking about champagne or is he talking about what happens when you uh, rip open somebody's throat? Which could he be talking yeah. about? Yeah, well, Nigel totally rocks no this dose. Yeah, he really does. This whole episode is Nigel's episode. He he wins. He wins episode of the week. This is the best. I love this whole episode. <laughs> and then he's like, so, Natalie, you love Nick, don't you? And she's like, uh, yeah, I guess I do. And I think at this point, she's a little bit under his spell because we've established. Oh, yeah. He's the master. He's the he's the best at this. Yeah. And she explains that she's trying to cure him. Yeah. And LaCroix's like, um, you are aware that um, there are certain things you do when you're in love that could be hazardous to your health if you do them with Nick. Because we know from the Baby Baby episode, they can't have... Uh, traditional sex with a mortal because like Superman and Lois. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember Hancock? Yes. Where he's going to ejaculate and he pushes her off and then we see it like shoot a hole in his roof. Yeah. Through the ceiling. <laughs> okay. Wow. That haunts me sometimes. I'll just be doing something and then i'm like god that was a weird scene hancock was the weirdest movie yeah. just bizarre it's so weird okay that's a whole other story that's that's a strange and beautiful book club story is what that is maybe someday we'll do hancock and the fact that it's actually two movies two and, uh two disconnected movies that happen to have the same actors yeah the, at a certain they play point them they, back to back yeah yeah it's a double feature yeah but they're not in disguise in disguise and then he toasts to new friends, old champagne, and the passions of the heart. And then he's like, Natalie, you, you do know what you're getting into, don't you? And she's like, yeah, no, I totally do. It's fine. It's totally, I totally get what it's in. I totally what I'm getting into. And then he's like, okay, well, I've told that the food here is exquisite. 
And she's like, oh, yeah, I feel really bad for you because you can't eat. <laughs> this is a really weird conversation. I think she's just trying to fill the space because she's like, I often feel bad for Nick because he can't eat. And eating is one of the greatest pleasures in life. I mean, I agree. I also enjoy eating, Natalie. Thank you for standing up for those of us who enjoy food more than we probably should. But uh, LaCroix not answering her statements about solid food. He's like, I'm sure Nick has explained to you that someone with your radiance is far more satisfying than any food could be. He's talking about killing you, Natalie. And Natalie's like, hmm, okay, well, um, so we're working on curing him of that anyway. And he's like, have you considered that what you love about him is the fact that he's a vampire? Switch over reverso. Do you love his innocence? Oh, I mean, his vampireness. And if you take that away, you won't love him anymore? And Natalie's like, uh... I'm mildly unconscious. <laughs> She's pretty much mildly unconscious. <laughs> she just gets more and more like glazed over. Like. Yeah. It's probably the combined like Nick is coming into range, which can confirm that's approximately 25 feet or so. However yeah. far away we were from the door, <laughs> Nick is coming into range. And then Nigel Bennett is also there. So it's this, she had no hope, right? She yeah. just knocked out by the combined pheromones. <laughs> <laughs> And Nick arrives just as LaCroix is about to bite Natalie. And then he's like, God damn it, LaCroix. You said you would not meddle in my affairs. What part of that promise did you feel like you could break? And he's like, oh, ho, ho. This is an older contract. This is, yeah, this is an older contract. He's like, no, no, no. That is not what this is about. I am not meddling in your affairs any more than you fucking meddled in my affairs. And then he like socks Nick across the face. <laughs> Nick flies off. He like... You know, hits a potted plant. Fisticuffs yeah. ensues is what it says in my notes. And Nick is like, fucking seriously, LaCroix, do you think this is really about love? Do you think I actually love this woman? Are you kidding me? Don't you think I'm self-serving? She knows what I am. She's trying to get me what I want. You know from experience, I will do a lot of real fucked up shit to get what I want. Now watch me do some fucked up shit <laughs> <laughs> to convince you that I really just want to eat her and use her for her scientific capabilities. And I love how taken aback by it LaCroix is. LaCroix is like, S seriously? And he's like, yeah. You've just been pretending this he's whole like, time? Zap, I'm just using her. Oh, my God. You think you would understand the concept of using somebody for what they're worth and then discarding them. And LaCroix's like. He's kind of like, oh. He's like, I'm a little grossed I, out right now. And I kind of respect you a little bit. Like, you know, kudos. He, no, he goes, your hypocrisy is freaking me out a little. He goes, it's really <laughs> gross. And Nick is like, fucking am who I am. So sorry, dad. <laughs> I don't know what you want from I learned me. from the best. Learned from the best. And As the, he's like mouth open like, ah, no, Wait, ah. wait, no, we're not there yet. Oh, my God. Oh, no, no, oh, no. Don't, that, jump, don't jump the shark yet. Okay, so. This is an interesting interaction. I just wanted to take a step back from where we're going because we're getting there. But the fact that LaCroix expected better of Nick is really interesting. He is not yeah. immediately like, oh, oh, tell me about it. We're using her? How? How are we using her? Can I use her too? What are we doing? Can, can I get out of the game? He's like, you are not who I thought you were. I've seen it with my own eyes. Do you think this is about love? 
This is about survival, Lacroix. She knows what I am. She's working to lift this curse from me. If she happens to have an infatuation for me, is it not in my best interests to humor her? Hypocrisy from you is even more sickening than I expected. Perhaps it's my logic that disturbs you. <laughs> and I wonder if, even though Lacroix, I wonder if Lacroix's part in this push and pull relationship is that the constant push and pull actually keeps him from going too far. Yeah. Like he's got something to pull against. And like he can't... We, we've talked about that with Jeanette. Like yeah. Nick is an anchor for Jeanette to maintain like a, a predictable distance from the human world. Right. And she doesn't drift too far off into vampire la la land. And maybe... There is nothing that says that he's not that for Lacroix, too. Right. Yeah. Lacroix may treat Nick as an anchor for humanity. And... He's just not good at showing it. Right. Maybe he likes the pull. He can't stop himself from doing the pull, but he has to have something to pull against. Yeah. He he has to have Nick to pull against. And so when Nick is like, yeah, I'm a little bit more like you than you thought, Lacroix's like, yeah, I don't like that. I really don't like that. Also, I'm being robbed of my revenge, but I don't like that. And then Nick flies, but he only flies like 10 feet. Yeah. He's, st <laughs> he's standing on one side of the table and then he whoosh, whoosh, just like gently floats down. <laughs> he could have just walked. It probably would have been faster. <laughs> and this is the part where Lacroix is like, okay, all right. Yeah, fine, 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 fine. Oh, you're old Mr. Hypocrite now. Fine. Bring her across. Do it fucking bring her across and nick is like i'll fucking do it i'm gonna do it right now and he's like yeah, do it right now. <laughs> he kisses he he mouths her face yeah and this is when he like pulls her in front of him and he's like yeah yeah i'll do it i'll do it right now i'm gonna do it so good and look was like yeah do it <laughs> he's just like waving his God, face around with his so fangs long. out <laughs> and, like going around to one side he's of her like, head then rubbing the other. his face like dragging his face on her neck. <laughs> I'm imagining like between scene cuts between cutting from um, Nick and Natalie back to LaCroix <laughs> Natalie has like a napkin in her hand tucked, just to, like, and just to like, wipe, wipe, yeah, wipe just like wipe off her face like uh Gare, jeez, oh, you don't have to slobber. Oh, every, every time the camera cuts, no. she's, okay. she's like, hold on, hold on, camera guy. I, I need to wipe this up. It's getting all over me. The worst part, the worst slash best part, I don't know how you want to phrase this. I check out, I honestly check out in all the making out scenes. I can't. It is so hard for me to watch. I get it. They're not like horrific. I do this in any making out scene. These are particularly difficult, though, because of the amount of mouth contact. Because at one point, he tips her head back, and then he literally, like, opens his mouth as wide as it will go, and then encloses her lips. Like, doesn't meet her lips, just like... <laughs> <laughs> right, it's like chin to nose and cheek to cheek, just around her mouth. Just... Oh! oh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel for Catherine Disher, not because of the wet wipes necessarily, but that she is a beautiful woman and I love Catherine Disher. But there are those of us who do not have a clear delineation between our neck and our chin. It's more of a slope. And 
There are definitely angles from which that looks perfectly fine, but there are angles on the camera that someone with that should never be asked to achieve. And tipping your head back like that is not her strongest angle. And I feel like they did her dirty because we could have done this scene from a far more flattering angle for her. Right. Even putting the lighting from a different direction yeah, could have changed yes, everything. Yes. Or different, slightly different makeup where we added a shadow there. Anything. Again, she's a beautiful woman. There's just some angles nobody looks good from. Uh, slightly, slight tangent. I saw a thing about the Barbie movie and they were talking about lighting. And they said, everybody looks better when they're backlit. Yeah. When the hair, the light's kind of coming through your hair, whatever, maybe slightly off to the side, but the light is roughly behind you. Yeah. And so in Barbie land, regardless of where the sun is, everybody is backlit. Everybody has excellent lighting. Yeah. Except for weird Barbie. Aw. Weird Barbie is lit directly on her face. Poor and weird that's, Barbie. that's just like one of the dynamics that they had. I felt for weird Barbie. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, anyway back eventually. To, even back to Nick getting ready to eat Natalie. Eventually after, I don't know, approximately <laughs> 25 minutes. Of him just, <laughs> it felt like it. <laughs> him just <laughs> straight up just licking the side of her neck. Like a little like. Like, okay. like, okay, okay, I'm going to stop you there. Okay, I'm convinced. He's it's... like, whoa, man, you can just stop for a second. He's like, let's both take a breath. Clearly, you are committed to this. I don't know if you're committed to this or if I've literally blacked out for 25 minutes. <laughs> but I'm... I'm convinced that you do not love her and you've never felt the same passion in your heart that I felt for your sister. So <sighs> this wouldn't be my revenge to take care of Natalie so Fine, I'll just leave and I'll get you next time. Yeah. I'll get you next time. <laughs> and okay. your little dog, too. <laughs> okay, so does LaCroix actually believe Nick or does LaCroix want to believe Nick because then he doesn't have to destroy Natalie? Because okay, I how, don't how... buy that LaCroix believes this for a fucking second. Right. One, because we know LaCroix can read his mind. We know right. LaCroix can feel his emotions. Nick has to be terrified right now. And Nick could have just brought her across, but instead he just made him wildly uncomfortable <laughs> for half an hour. And so I think LaCroix is like, okay, 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 okay. Okay, here's, here's my take on it. Okay. LaCroix is very aware of Nick's circumstances and his motivations what's keeping him here and who is keeping him here in this nice little bubble of predictable schedules and interactions and what Nick is going to be up to. Laquan knows where Nick's going to be. He knows when Nick is going to be driving around. So he knows when to get on his radio station and talk and he can yeah. have this dynamic with they've, Nick. They've got a rhythm going. They've got a rhythm going. Yeah. And if Natalie either dies or becomes a vampire, Nick's going to leave. Yeah. And he's going to be like, ah, that, and that's not going to work. Like if he takes, if he turns Natalie into a vampire, they have to go somewhere else. Yeah. Because Natalie can't keep living in Toronto as a vampire. It, it would be complicated. Yeah. And so like, oh yeah, Nick's sun allergy is contagious. Darn. 
<laughs> Look at that. Maybe that would work. But it would disrupt their rhythm that they have. And so LaCroix maybe, like, he doesn't want to disrupt that rhythm. So he's like, I've made Nick, or Nick has made enough of a fool of himself in this event that, you know, it, he's paid the cost. Yeah. Of of uh, broadcasting his love for Natalie. Yeah. So we're, that's enough for now. Yeah. I just wanted to make him uncomfortable, but he ended up making me uncomfortable. He made it weird. So. <laughs> he made it weird. All right. I wonder, personally, if LaCroix doesn't realize that with Nick's desperation for a change in his life, that there isn't a point at which he will push Nick too far. Because he has to realize the next logical step for Nick after I can never reclaim my mortality and I'm not okay with being a vampire for eternity is I'm just going to stop being anything. Oh, he's going to call himself. Yes. And I wonder, that's from a book we're reading right now. Um, we'll the talk about it. We'll talk about it eventually. On the book club. Uh, on the Strange and Beautiful book club. But... Um, I wonder if he's not like, okay, maybe this is too far. And his whole purpose was to drive them apart. And I think he realizes that this will drive them apart. And that's sufficient. Yeah. Because, because now he doesn't want to lose Nick. He just right. want Nick. He just wants Nick to know he's not forgiven. Yeah. And I think he accomplished that. And I think he conveyed to Nick that you're not allowed to be in a happy relationship because of what you did to me. Yeah. I'm and, still watching you. And so. But I'm not watching you make out with her for one more minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not, I'm not going to watch you make out with her. It's, I'm not going to watch you do whatever the fuck you're doing whatever with her right that now. Was, <laughs> That's enough. You stop. <laughs> you <laughs> turn it off. <laughs> Put those away. <laughs> Put all of it away. All of it. <laughs> I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Someone get this woman a wet wipe. <laughs> <laughs> a towel. <laughs> a bath towel. <laughs> oh, God, the scene. And I know how much I love this episode, and I know how much I love this flashback, but I have got to tell you, every time I see Be My Valentine, what flashes in my mind is that scene where he's attempting to suck her soul out of her body through her face with her head tilted back, and then I just watch another episode because I'm like, I can't do that. Again. But then we come back to the precinct. So lesson learned. Lesson learned. Nick is going to back off on whatever was happening, happening there. with him and Natalie. Yeah. And I think I, Nick forgot. I think Nick forgot they had that bargain because he doesn't go there immediately. He's like, why are you fucking with me? Right. And the Qua's like, you know, you know. And, and Nick's like, that was 800 years ago. Like, Come on. Fucking seriously. Are we still on about that? And he was like, toast the love of my life. Yes, we're still on about it. She was my faded mate. I don't get that back. And... So we get this nice, plausible pl plot arc with Nick and Natalie and LaCroix. Yeah. But then we also get the oh, yeah, plot device. We finally get to resolve some of that relationship ambiguity. Yes. Yeah. 
Finally. And we get the plot device that actually keeps them apart to maintain the tension. Correct. And then we go back to the precinct because we got to have some wrap up. Because Nick has to go back to his life after this. So he's sitting at the desk, like, looking at his pillbox. And he gets a call from Skanky. And Skanky's, like, at a, a, Cabana. Tiki, a tiki bar. Tiki bar. And he's like, woo, guess where I am? And it turns out that Myra was like, not again, Skanky. And so she just flew to Hawaii, sent him a cab and a ticket, and then met him at the Hawaii airport wearing a grass skirt and a uh, lei. And he's like, so I guess I'm in Hawaii now. And I convinced some of my buddies who were going to meet me in Vegas to come here. So can you tell them that I'm at the Dolph Inn and that poker's on Friday? Thanks. And Nick is like, um, I was a saint. Because in fact, yeah. Skanky leches at one of the like people there while he's there. He's like, whoa, when a scantily clad woman walks by. And then Natalie comes in and she's like, um... I don't remember anything of what happened last night. I remember walking in the door. And that's it. And that's it. And she goes, I'm so sorry. I usually hold my wine better than that. And Nick is like, it's cool. We had a great time. And she's like, really? Do we have a good time? And he's like, yeah, we should. We had a really good time. And she's like, I'm so glad. I'm so glad we had a really good time. You know, I've just been so stressed at work. And oh, I just it's a relief to know we had a good time. And then she goes, you know, we should do that again sometime. And he's like, yeah. About that. So this leads me to the question of Natalie is fully aware that this man can hypnotize people. She forgot an entire evening. And at no well, point is she like, no. hmm, hold the She phone. knows that Nick can hypnotize people, but she also knows from experience that Nick's hypnosis doesn't work on her. Mm-hmm. So, did not work on her previously. Did not work on her previously. Maybe it works on her inebriated. Hmm. Hmm. I'm just saying, well, that's trust, I guess. Yeah. Me, I'd be like, did you do that? Did you do that? Did you take my memories away? Did that one happen right now? And of course, Nick, Natalie's just like, oh, Nick wouldn't do that to oh, me. Oh, the old Nicky, he never would have done that. So not only is Natalie not aware that there's an entire group of enforcers that would kill her, but she doesn't know that LaCroix also wants to kill her. And has had an extended conversation with her. Oh, Natalie. Poor Natalie. <laughs> He's like, you get... Just enough information about what you need to know. You know, we've had the conversation about whether or not Nick is using her before. But yeah. I do think he's BSing when he's talking to LaCroix. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think he was fully prepared to explore the possibilities of this relationship. He was like, okay, I think I'm ready. Like, we're, we, we're at a good place. I think I'm ready to try something new. And then he was like, abort, abort. Right. LaCroix the Valentine's Day thing was a nice inspiration yeah. to spur him on. But, mm. but then LaCroix had to get involved. And then LaCroix had to stick his unhinged nose into the business, which I can totally understand why he did because, wow, this was a good episode. There was a lot going on. Everybody's motivations were clear. Yep. There were, we actually had a they, – they still worked in a crime, which gets plausibly solved. Impressive. But in like 25 minutes. Yeah. And then they spend the rest of the time on whatever happens at the restaurant. You know what? I wish I could be hypnotized into forgetting that scene. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, oh, why? Well, God. What What are these you like drip got... marks on my shirt? <laughs> she gets a, She's like hanging her dress up and it's all damp down the front. She's like, what did I do? <laughs> what is this? 
Especially if, well, we, we figured his saliva had to be clear or his teeth would be pin, tinged pink. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that ending. I mean, I get it. There's definitely... If you can watch kissing scenes without feeling like you want to claw yourself out from your meat shell from the inside out, then great. I'm sure you absolutely well, love that. There was that. only one kissing scene in this episode. There's two kissing. At Natalie's apartment. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he gave her this nice gentle kiss. And then there was another scene with mouth stuff. <laughs> mouth But stuff. I don't want to classify that as kissing because... Uh. That would be a disservice to the classification of kissing. kissing. Yeah. Well, can you blame the makeout king for wanting to have range? Okay. When you do one thing. No, no I can't blame him. You got to do it well. Although it was interesting having seen him perform live, like up close. Yeah. I recognized a lot of his like expressions. Yeah. From Nick Knight versus his character on stage. Yes. It was a little disorienting like oh yeah that expression okay oh i know that one yeah. i've seen that one before yeah 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 it's kind of like oh i don't know i think if he'd been in a lot more stuff and you got used to seeing him in a bunch of different stuff then when you go to see him in a play it'd be like oh, okay here's another whatever it's like seeing christian bale in another movie okay here's christian bale in another movie but like he's nick knight because i've never seen him in anything else and so when I go see him in something else, I'm like, look, Nick Knight is in his play. <laughs> he's not. He's Carrotwood Davies. He's an actual person who does things and has a life and has like. And has had a whole 30 year career since yes, Forever Night yeah. came And out. I started watching Dracula the series, which is available in total on YouTube. And there's not much of it. It's only one which, season. Which Dracula? Is that the one? With it's the, the one from 1990. Reese? Oh, 1990. <laughs> and Carrot plays a vampire called Klaus. I can't even with Klaus. First of all, his hair is like stuck to his head. I do not know how much shellac was required to tame that hair. But however much they needed, they used. Okay. And he's like a over-the-top like Dracula vampire. It's a, it's an experience, let me tell you. Because he still does the whole like thing, but he's more of a... Anyway, so he's been, like, fucking around and finding out around the whole countryside, and Dracula calls him in and is like, you need to get it together. This is not how we act now. Dracula's a bad guy. He's a bad mm -hmm. guy, but it's like a plucky kids series, so these plucky kids oh, keep, okay. like, defeating Dracula's evil plans, and he's like, ah, oh, Drat, foiled by the children again. <laughs> and then Klaus shows up, and then they end up... The one kid is trying to fix this antique radio, and he ends up figuring out how to listen in on cell phone conversations please don't unpack that there's no way to unpack that and then they figure out where dracula is going to be and where klaus is going to be because klaus is going to pay off this environmental minister so that this um this pollution bill won't go through because dracula is like actively trying to destroy the world by being a billionaire <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, th there's a really allegory <laughs> there's a really funny episode where like uh, Mount Vesuvius erupts, but only one lava flow comes out and it destroys Dracula's villa. And then there's a collapse at this diamond mine in South Africa and it destroys uh, Alucard's, Alexander Lucard's um, <laughs> diamond mine. And then like this Korean factory blows up 
like thousands of people lose their lives over this, right? Mm-hmm. But what it is is Nosferatu has come back and he's fucking with Dracula. <laughs> Just wiping out Dracula. And he's like, oh, like Nosferatu doing that again. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? But anyway, the whole point of this is it turns out that the like plucky the plucky child's like mentor character who is um Van Helsing, like Uncle Klaus, Uncle Gustav, Uncle Gustav. So Gustav Van Helsing is the like older mentor, eccentric older plucky kid mentor character. And Klaus is his son. And so he, there's a scene where it's St. George's Eve, so every vampire must return to their tomb. So it turns out that Klaus's tomb is in this like city park and it's this giant like overwrought tomb. And so he traps him with holy water and then he's like, don't leave me like this. And of course it's Garrett Wynn Davies. So he's like, no, don't leave me like this. And then he's like leaving and he's like, please release me. And then he shuts the door and he goes, don't do this. And it's like the saddest, most plaintive little don't do this. And Meg talked about this on the Vamping Out with Meg episode, which is Garrett is having so much fucking fun with this character. And then every once in a while that like, I am a Shakespearean actor, just can't help but just <laughs> leak out through his pores. Mm-hmm. And so he's doing this whole, I'm a eccentric overwrought vampire who's been fucking around the countryside for years and now i'm trapped in this circle of holy water please sir come back and save me all of that all that sincere emotion that he's been holding back all comes out in this tight dense stream and right into your heart right into your heartstrings is exactly what it does (laughs) anyway if anybody wants to do something while you're done well you could of course you probably watched all of forever night if you need some more something to watch the dracula series was pretty funny it, it grew on me the first couple episodes i was like i don't like plucky kids from the 90s <laughs> this is really hard i'm sure if i went back, that was meddling kids i'm sure if i went back and tried to watch some of the our kid shows like um alex mack remember the one where she gets superpowers from yeah. toxic waste i'm sure that would be terrible clarissa explains it all my secret identity. Yeah, all of those ones where at the time we were like, oh, these are so cool. And now you watch it and you're like, why are the parents such morons? And these kids are like putting one over on them all the time. I don't know. It's a thing. So anyway, um, I guess we'll just leave it there because we divulged, diverged. Okay, I guess until next time, friends. Until next time. Bye. Bye.